This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, it's been a little bit since our last podcast. We have plenty of news to get to today. I think first and foremost, we had talked on the last episode of the podcast about some of the potential coaching changes that were happening, particularly on the defensive side of the ball for the Florida Gators. Gators obviously moved this offseason to part ways with Torian Gray and Ron English and had two openings. And I believe at the time of our last podcast, Florida had already made one hire in former Auburn defensive backs coach Wesley McGriff. Blake, we've got a lot more news. I think perhaps the biggest kind of to focus on at this point to start us off is the fact that the NFL jobs have basically pretty much all been filled. Dan Mullen, it doesn't appear uh, like he got much interest. So any idea of Dan Mullen kind of floating his name out there via his agent for NFL jobs uh, seems to be a no-go at this point. Yeah, I mean, we were hearing for a while that it just seemed like that was definitely the case, you know, kind of the agent – you know, kind of playing some roles there. Obviously, I think it's year three of a six-year contract, right, for Mullen, which, you know, like you've said, I'm kind of parroting you here, but, you know, obviously um, that's usually time where, you know, you kind of reassess what you've done. You talk extensions, you talk raises, you talk, you know, I mean, you talk money. And, uh, you know, in a COVID year and all sorts of things going on, um, I think that was something that, you know, Florida and Mullen were going to be talking about at one point, I would assume, um, you know, that COVID probably put a little bit of a hold on that. So, um, you know, I, I mean, you look at what Mullen's done at Florida, he's done a really good job at Florida. So, you know, I don't think it's, you know, kind of out of the ordinary for him to, you know, want to be, you know, compensated for, for his efforts he's done at Florida. I think when you look at what he's done with guys like Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer, just over the start of their career, um, you know, Dan Mullen's definitely up there. You know, you look at what he's done with the offense. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know there's really much to the NFL, and I don't really think that, you know, I think that's kind of been the thought for us for a while. But, uh, you know, definitely seems like he wants a little bit more change in his pocket. And, and you know, I, I go back and forth between whether or not, you know, if you're Scott Strickland, whether or not you do that. I think, um, I think certainly an extension, um, you know, you always get nervous about that because you don't want to tie yourself to a huge buyout. And obviously the way that, you know, Florida finished the year, I think that would sit a little bit worse with Florida fans than maybe administrators like Scott Strickland, you know. Uh, it's easy for for us, you know, media folks and and fans to get caught up in how the season ended. Obviously, with those three disappointing losses, and then, uh, you know, even into the off season, you hear that Dan Mullen is potentially floating his name for NFL jobs. I, I think there was a lot of frustration in the fan base over the last couple of weeks, kind of how things ended. Um, but you said it. I mean, you compare Dan Mullen's record to some of the other coaches that have gone through, you know, the doors at Florida, and it's it's obviously pretty positive. You know, we took a look back. On Swamp 24-7, I put together a list of all the coaches that were hired, 21 FBS head coaches that were hired in 2018 when Dan Mullen was. Guess what? Seven of them have already been fired uh, after three years now or within three years. And then of those 21 coaches, only eight of them have a winning record, and Dan Mullen has won more games than anyone. 
So obviously that hire that Scott Strickland made is panning out pretty well. Now, you know, you do still have the question mark about the trajectory of the program. And we talked about that a lot last episode. You want it to feel like Florida's building forward. And I think with some of the personnel holes on the roster going into 2021, you kind of nervous, you know, that maybe Florida might not take another step forward next year after this, you know, 10 win, 11 win season. Then all of a sudden you take a little bit of a step back with the way this year ended. Um, But I do think, you know, I think at this point, stability for the program is good. You know, I think when we talk about Dan Mullen entertaining perhaps NFL offers, had he gotten one and you leave, obviously Florida would have been in a better position than when he took the job. But I still think there's a lot to be said for continuity. You know, we knew when Dan Mullen came in that he was going to kind of reestablish the floor of the program. I think he's certainly done that. And I think, I think if you give them time to continue to build, I think you're going to see positive things. Um, one big thing, I think, Blake, that has kind of been a focus – and Stan Mullen took over his recruiting. And we've talked a lot about it on this podcast. Florida has recruited better under Dan Mullen. The roster is deeper as a whole, but Florida still needs to hit on some of those top guys. And I think to that end, this offseason was important, not just in terms of hiring coaches to help fix the defense, but also hiring some guys as recruiters. So, Blake, let's, let's talk about these two hires that Florida has made. Now, we talked a little bit about Wesley McGriff from Auburn last time. Uh, we're not quite sure whether he's – kind of more regarded as coach or recruiter. I think we'll have to kind of see that obviously has some good connections, but like you talked about on the last episode of the show, a lot of his bigger name recruits came back, you know, 2013 at Ole Miss back during his Miami stint when he was with the hurricanes from 2007 to 2010. So we don't really know on him, but let's get to the second hire, Blake USF's Jules Montanar coming over. We're not exactly sure, you know, which guy will handle what in terms of cornerbacks versus safeties. Uh, but Blake, you, you've done a little bit of digging on him and, and you maybe give us an idea of what you kind of expect off the cuff, knowing that, you know, obviously these things are subject to change. You know, I think it's interesting. And I, and I say that because when you have a hire like this, where a guy has not been at a big name program as an on-field guy, I mean, he's been at Alabama as an off-field, he's been at George as an off-field. Sure. Those are great because he understands how the inner workings work in a big time program like that. He hasn't necessarily done that as far as, you know, the USF's, Texas State's, you know, schools like that. I think James Madison was another one he was at, too. You know, those obviously aren't in the same sentence as Florida. Um, you know, I think when you look at what USF did last year, I mean, they didn't have a strongest season, obviously, in, in kind of building their foundation with a new coach there. But I think whenever you look at their team, their cornerbacks played fine. Um, you know, talking to some of the recruits or maybe some of the people that know him, you know, really into X's and O's guys, I think that kind of meshes with what you expect from a Dan Mullen hire, someone who's going to be a coach. But, you you know, you look at it, you know, he was a Sunbelt Recruiter of the Year, I believe, when he was at Texas State, and that was in 2017. Um, you know, not necessarily adding the same kind of elite talent at Florida, but when you hear things like that, it gives you some promise on the recruiting trail. Because if it does work out, I mean, it, and he comes in and he has that recruiting, he, you know, he's a younger guy, if he's going to come in with that passion and put the focus on the recruiting trail, I think that when you have a brand like Florida, I mean, it's pretty easy to sell defensive backs, you know, just the, maybe not even just kind of what they did last year, but just the, the tradition of what Florida does of, you know, having strong defenses, having strong secondaries, having guys that move on to the NFL. I think that those kind of things can really help you on the trail. If you know, if you're a recruiter, I mean, recruiters recruit, right. you know, that, that's, that's the bottom line. And if you can have that brand behind you, 
I think that he's an interesting hire. I don't know how that's going to work. You know, it's kind of hard for me to sit there and say just because I don't have quite the body of work at those big time programs like a Florida, um, you know, even like, you know, if he was on staff on field at Georgia or Alabama, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think if he's going to have that effort and he's going to put that in there and he's going to recruit hard, I mean, he's only been, I don't even think he's actually, actually, you know, he hasn't been officially hired, you know, announced by the Florida staff, but he's already recruiting guys, which is promising. You want a guy like that who's going to jump in and just get his hands dirty. Um, maybe not dirty. <laughs> That's yeah. probably not the right wrong, word. Wrong choice of words. Just someone who's going to be in there and they're going to get in there and they're going to be active and they're going to just hit, hit it hard and they're going to, you know, recruit guys. I mean, Devin Moore is one guy that I've already had a story up on Swamp 24-7 Sports. Jules Montanar being a Naples guy himself. Um, has a lot of ties there. The head coach at Naples has also played with Jules whenever they were high school teammates. Um, that's a guy that Florida was already making a priority as, as a defensive back. You know, he's got the length, um, maybe not the recruiting ranking right now. You know, I don't know how that's going to pan out as, you know, the national guys keep getting their eyes on him. You go through camps and, you know, film and all these other things. There's still a lot of, a lot of work to do with, you know, with ranking still with just, you know, kind of the year that it's, that, that we've had so far, but you know, that's a guy that has ties to there. Someone that was already a guy that Florida's making priority. Someone who's already been in touch with guys. He offered another guy, a four-star defensive back out of Naples, or not Naples, excuse me, out of uh, Niceville up in the panhandle earlier this morning um, on Monday morning. So, I mean, and what I'm saying is, I mean, he's a guy that's already jumped in. He's hit the ground running. He's already recruiting for Florida. Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, the Gators obviously need that. You know, it's funny. Fans ask us a lot of times, you know, what do you think of this hire? Did we upgrade? Did we downgrade? And generally what I tell them is, and this is a disappointing answer, I'm sure, but I don't know until I've been around them for a couple of years. So like when Florida hired back a Torian Gray, I had seen him at Florida. I've seen him recruit, interact with kids. So it's easier for me to say, okay, this is what I think about this hire. When you're hiring a guy that to me is an unknown. I mean, I didn't know about this guy until Florida hired him. I'm not, I don't have any stronger of an opinion or anything like that than the fans do. I mean, really most of it is just stacking up resumes. And then, you know, obviously like, like, you and I have done maybe hitting up people that we know that have been around him and, and kind of getting their thoughts. Um, but Blake, I, having said that, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Do, do you feel like, I guess, from a recruiting standpoint, um, Florida has maybe upgraded from the Tori and Gray, Ron English duo with Montanar McGriff, or is it too early to say that? You know, I'm not too sure on Gray because I do think that Gray was a fine recruiter for Florida. You know, sure, Brian Johnson deserves a lot of credit for getting some of those guys down in Palmetto, the Corey Colliers, um, the Jason Marshalls, you know, guys like that. But Gray was involved. You know, Gray also had a five-star commitment from uh, uh, Sam McCall out of uh, Lake Gibson High School in Polk County where he has a lot of ties to. Gray has added a lot of big-time prospects or he's at least been involved as a secondary recruiter for a lot of guys Jules Montanar I don't know you know I'm just kind of assuming that he's the cornerbacks coach again I, there's been no official announcement there's been no titles I just am looking at the body of work of what coach Jules has has you know coached over his career I don't know that he's an upgrade over Gray um, as a recruiter because I don't know that Jules has had that that big stage, so to say, that, that Gray has been on. But I do think that Ron English was one of Florida's, you know, weaker recruiters. I think that, you know, you look at just Florida safety recruiting over the entire time he was here. Sure, there were some guys that Florida was going to land in that 2021 class that, you know, that he was involved with. But I think overall, I think if, if, you, if you're looking at McGriff being the safeties coach and you're looking at Jules being, being the cornerbacks coach, I think McGriff is an upgrade over Ron English. I think when you look, A, also, you know, at the recruiting there, like I mentioned in B, Florida safeties, man, I mean, the play was just not great over the three year career that you know that uh that English was in Gainesville so I do think there was an upgrade there Jules and, and Gray I would think you know right now probably no just because I and, and I just that's more just because I know what Gray can do I've seen what he can do and I just don't know that Coach Monsonar has really had that stage 
if you ask me maybe in a year, I'd have a better answer or maybe even a couple months I'd have a better answer, but that's just, I guess, where I'm at right now. Yeah. And I think the other thing that, that I think about uh, when you talk about Ron English, I, I think his recruiting strongholds were not necessarily conducive to Florida's area. And that, that's one thing I really like about Wesley McGriff. You know, he's got that South Florida experience, having spent four years on Miami's coaching staff, you know, back under Randy Shannon. And then obviously he's got a lot of ties. He's from Tifton to the Georgia area. You know, so I, I think that plays a lot better into Florida's kind of recruiting footprint, maybe and more so. And also landed a guy out of Texas. I don't know if his ties are in Texas, but that's another area that Florida's tried to make part of their recruiting fingerprint is the state of Texas as right. well. Right, I, I think the last two classes they've landed, what, four, four signees from the state of Texas? Quite so, a few for sure. Yeah, and, they, and they've been, you know, good players too. Jahari Rogers is a guy that I think, you know, the staff is really high on going forward at cornerback. Um Blake, I guess uh, let's let's get off coaching a little bit here. I think I think we've kind of hit that as much as we can. I wanted to talk about some of the the roster changes that have happened in the last week or two since we last podcasted. A couple transfers in, a couple transfers out. So, cornerback uh, C.J. McWilliams, a redshirt senior, announced that he's he will be playing an extra year uh, now that the NCAA has allowed it, but he will actually be transferring out of the program. And then we've had a couple specialists decide to enter the transfer portal. Uh, redshirt senior Jacob Finn, the punter from this year, who did a really, really good job, I thought. He is entering the transfer portal and is going to look to transfer out. And then a uh, – not priority, but a preferred walk-on kicker, Jack Sessa, is also headed out. Sessa actually an- announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal after Florida landed a transfer from Jace Christman out of Mississippi State, who's a guy that Dan Mullen, I believe, had recruited back in the day. Um, you know, was a, was a walk-on at Mississippi State and, and did a really, really good job. So he's going to come in now that Evan McPherson is off to the NFL. Um, I think that's a quality addition for Florida. Maybe gives you some continuity. Especially, I believe he's going to be a walk-on at Florida too. So, right, I mean, that's right. good too. Whenever you're crunching numbers and you're dealing with spots, I, I think that's a really good spot to get Florida. I mean, I think kicker is one that's easily forgotten when you're ever, unless you need one or you have a guy who misses or something like that. So, I mean, if you're missing McGriff – or excuse me, not McGriff. If you're losing McPherson after the season, um, it's good to get – I think that he was one of the more decorated kickers in Mississippi State history too. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to have to bring his lunch pail to, because uh, he's replacing a guy that finished third in school history and career accuracy. And obviously McPherson, you know, was really good for three years here at Florida, but he followed up the guy that was number one. So it's been five years of really, really good kicking for Florida. Um, so he, he definitely has big shoes to fill. Blake, one other transfer um, that I wanted to talk about was Auburn defensive tackle Daquan Newkirk. Uh, we had talked about Florida's kind of need to get some grad transfer or JUCO type defensive tackles in just because of everything that Florida has leaving. Tadaryl Slayton made it official signing with an NFL agent. So he's on his way out along with Kyrie Campbell. We don't know yet on Marlon Dunlap, but Blake, we had talked about it extensively. Defensive tackle was an area that Florida had to shore up. Yeah, no doubt. And I think whenever you have a guy like Newkirk, the one thing whenever you you start doing your research on him and you start doing your homework on him is that he's had some Achilles injuries. You know, that's something that makes you kind of go, you know, how's that going to work at Florida? But you look at his 2020 season, he had his best year. He's coming off of that best year. And, and you know, sure, you need some of those guys that, A, have the experience, you know, kind of the, the same stuff that we said about Antonio Shelton, who was the other defensive tackle transfer coming in from Penn State. Guy with experience guy that knows how to play the college game can teach some of these other guys, you know, how to study film, how to come along, you know, do this, that, do the others, you know, because Florida behind those two guys, I mean, Florida's going to be very young, especially on the interior part of the defensive line. But I think if you can get a guy like Newkirk, you can get him 25 to 30 snaps a game. I think you're golden. I think that's exactly what you want from him. If you can get more great, you know, that's awesome. If he can be one of those guys, 
you know, I was talking with Keith Niebuhr, uh, who covers our Auburn site on 24-7 Sports, and he was saying that, you know, this isn't just a Band-Aid kind of guy for Florida one-year guy. This is a legitimate guy who's getting, you know, is getting NFL talk, whether that's being, you know, some kind of draft pick, I would assume probably near, you know, near the later parts of the draft, or at least some guy that would absolutely get picked up as an undrafted free agent. And that's, you know, a really good get for Florida in the sense that past that, I mean, you're starting sophomore Jervon Dexter or, you know, I guess red shirt for however the COVID yeah, numbers work. You're gonna however they're gonna do that. You're getting a bunch of young guys. You know Jalen Lee, Javon Dexter, um, you know Lamar Goods, who who wasn't around Florida last year as he went back to you know to his uh, I believe in Canada or somewhere up there where his, he's from Canada. So if he was back there with his family, a guy that just hasn't had a lot of experience. So right. getting that experience for Florida while you get those younger guys to continue to come along. You know Javon was really the only one outside of those other younger guys that really got any kind of meaningful snaps for Florida. So experience is going to be really key for Florida just because that defensive line was going to be really young Florida's defense struggled last year and that's even including some of those guys you know sure Kyrie Campbell wasn't there for all the games you know early on but I mean those guys you could tell when Kyrie Campbell came back around he had that size he had that experience that Florida's defense worked a lot better yeah. and I think that if you can get those guys in there you can get those same time and meaningful snaps from them you know the numbers didn't blow you away for Slayton and Campbell but if you can get that same kind of production out of those guys or if not better I think that'll make Florida work, uh, work better up front well, I think there's going to be a lot of pieces that probably improve on the defense, you know, Absolutely. behind those guys. Sure. You look at Diabate, you know, we talked about him and Bernie playing not, you know, great football years end, but, but much better football than we had seen. And if you can get some, you know, like you said, some veteran guys going in there playing 30, 40 snaps a game, you can kind of ease the transition into that Jervon Dexter, Jalen Lee, uh, that group of players that are going to have to be really, really big for Florida in 2021 and 2022. It just, I think gives you some veteran guys that can continue to, kind of help be a coach on the field for those guys. And, and you know, Florida absolutely had the need for that. Um, Blake, one last transfer to get to before we take a quick break here and then uh, maybe touch on some basketball. Florida got a transfer from uh, walk-on Dylan Meeks, uh, or I should say he's transferring in as a walk-on. He's a guy that's from, uh, I believe, the Orlando area. Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando. Yeah, so yeah. – I think 2017 uh, class, I think he was. He signed with Akron out of there. Right, so he's a veteran guy, was Akron's leading tackler in 2019, and, and he didn't end up playing in 2020, uh, announced he was going to transfer before the season. So, you know, he hasn't played in a year, but he's a guy that obviously had played some productive football for a MAC team. Coming in as a walk-on, again, this is just kind of additional depth for Florida. You know, I think a lot of times we kind of overlook these guys if they're not scholarship players, but – one thing that Dan Mullen has really harped on since he's been at Florida is making sure that they have a strong scout team. And I don't, I, I would expect that Meeks would, you know, potentially get in the mix to actually play. But even if he doesn't, you know, at worst case scenario, you're talking about a guy coming in as a walk-on doesn't take up a scholarship. And all of a sudden you've got a guy that's played some productive high level uh, division one football now being able to give your offense good looks. So uh, all in all, I think, you know, Florida's done a good job so far in the transfer portal. Not quite sure if the Gators are all the way done there. You know, I think a lot of that's going to depend still on how the NCAA kind of decides to go forward with eligibility and whatnot. And, you know, man, too, I think that the spring is another kind of wave of those transfer portal th portal guys. You know, you, I, you know I'm kind of speculating here, obviously, but you see some of those guys that we're talking about after the season. Yeah, I think I'm going to transfer. Coaches may talk you out of it or they talk themselves out of it. You let spring ball play out. I mean, who knows who else could go in the transfer portal at this point. So, you know, I think Florida obviously being started spring, you know, spring semester and all those things, you know, sure, I, I don't know that you're going to see any, any big time fireworks. But I think it's worth following, continuing going on as the spring football. If, you know, cross his finger, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here still. I won't hear any negativity. In my mind, we're having a spring football season. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Well, it definitely seems like we're working towards that. You know, uh, speaking of one other thing I don't think we touched on that I want to go back to on the coaching staff. Uh, we kind of overlooked this, but 
uh, right after we had posted our last episode of the podcast and got it up for download, uh, Christian Robinson, we had heard, was getting pretty significant interest from Michigan. Uh, Blake, we, we were confident in reporting that they even got to the point of a, a contract offer that it sounded like Christian Robinson had agreed to in principle. Um, and this was Friday of last, not last week, but the week before. Two weeks ago? Yeah, it was, it was like a week and a half ago. Um, and so it, it looked like Florida may for a little bit have a third departure on the defensive staff. And I, I think, Blake, this was one that Florida would not have wanted. And you saw how Dan Mullen reacted to that. You know, and I had a buddy that mentioned it to me. You know, if you look at those guys – that were the early enrollees for Florida in the 2021 class. They have a picture that Dan Mullen tweeted outside of his house where, you know, they came and they, they hung out at Mullen's house for, you know, their first day on campus or second day on campus. I mean, early part of them getting there. Who was the assistant coach that was there in the picture? Christian Robinson. And you look at the guys who have, you know, been more active on social media. You look on the early signing day. Christian Robinson was the guy who was quote tweeting just about every kid. It's, it's a younger guy on the staff that, you know, you can just tell that, you know, sure, is he learning on the job? You know, this is his first big job at Florida. Yes, definitely. But I think where you look at what he's done on the recruiting trail, you know, he's gotten some guys like Jeremiah Williams this past year for Florida. He got Derek Wingo the year before that. You know, Dewan Black, who, yeah, he didn't qualify, but was a guy they still kept after. So, I mean, I think he's one of your better recruiters. I think he's just more active. He's more lively with it. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that shows you. And I've had some people when I was talking to him, you know, going through this whole – you know, is he going to Michigan? Is he not going to Michigan? And, you know, from what I was told, a lot of guys in Florida really kind of kept in the dark about a lot of things. This was something that C-Rod really did play close to the vest. And I had a lot of people that said, you know, sure, from all the things that he does on the recruiting trail for Florida, what he does on the field for them, he's just a guy that brings a good presence in the offices too. He's really well he liked around the program. He's a really good dude. You know, a lot of people really spoke highly of him. And I think that those kind of things speak to why, you know, on top of all the other things mentioned, why Dan Mullen really wanted to keep him on there. You know, Florida's linebackers, I think, had some, some, some bumps and bruises, some things that they need to continue to work on because they're going to get younger even, you know, just guys that didn't have a lot of experience. And that's considering if, you know, Ventrell Miller comes back or isn't back. I think we both expect him back at this point. Yeah, I would. It's maybe not. I don't know that I've seen an official announcement there. But Florida's going to have some newer guys in there. So I think that it's, it's going to be a year where C-Rod really needs to continue to get those guys, the, you know, ready for next year next gear getting ready to you know make even more impact but I think that you look at just the little things he does around the program and I think that those things continue to add to that big picture of why Mullen wanted to keep him around and I think you know again just just continuity at this point I think uh to a certain degree is a good thing you know I think that we both agree that Florida needed changes uh somewhere <laughs> I think that the secondary was a good place to start given how that unit performed mm -hmm. last year um but like you said the, the linebackers I think was as much a product of being young and I think in some ways, having guys like Diabate really kind of getting used to the position for the first half of the year. I do like the upside at that position. And again, like you said, Christian Robinson is extremely well-respected. I think it says a lot about, you know, how Dan Mullen views him, that he went out and as soon as he heard that Michigan – you know, was I think he only him. had like a $75,000 buyout. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, right. it wasn't like, you know, that it was a guy that was going to, you know, put a big dent in any school's pocket that, you know, he was kind of out there, you know, for the taking if a school wanted him. So I think where you look at how quickly Mullen really moved on that, it definitely speaks to me. And I, I believe you as well about, you know, just what they think of him and what he can be. And so we're fully expecting him back next year. You know, we don't know exactly the, the full details of the, the contract negotiations that went on, but essentially Florida offered him a better deal. Uh, maybe an extra year extension worth, something like that. Uh, but he'll be around next year. He tweeted a, a picture of the guys working out this morning. So uh, good to see that, you know, football is kind of going on as normal, you know, with, with all the craziness of last off season and when, you know, spring football got shut down. I think, you know, like I said on the last episode of the podcast, I think now that we've seen how testing protocols work and all that, the fact that there hasn't been 
you know, at least that I'm aware of too many significant uh, long-term health risks for college athletes. I, I feel pretty good, Blake, that we're going to end up having a normal spring and we should have plenty to talk about this off season. Can't tell me otherwise. I won't hear it. I, I'm, I'm here for it, man. So uh, let's take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit of Mike White and Florida basketball after the break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to talk a little bit of Florida basketball. Obviously, kind of a weird start to this season, given the fact that, you know, Florida started the year on a COVID break with some COVID cases in in the program, the team, and, you know, had to cancel really their first three games. So it was a late start to the season. And then obviously you had the Keontae Johnson collapse and Florida took another, you know, two and a half, three weeks off. Finally, it feels like Florida's kind of getting into a little bit of a rhythm, you know, not obviously perfect. Uh, Scotty Lewis has missed the last four games now, I believe. So uh, not even really a full Florida lineup with Keontae and Scotty Lewis out. A um, little bit of a shaky start to SEC play. At one point had lost three of their last four. But, Blake, the team has put together two wins now, and it, and it feels like maybe they're starting to develop kind of an identity under Mike White. Yeah, you know, it's, it's – it is. They do seem like they're developing an identity, but I think big picture as well. There's continuing to be that up and down type of team that has also been the identity of Mike White. So, yeah, true. you know, sure, it's encouraging to see these kind of wins. I mean, the Tennessee win was a big one to follow that up with a big win in Georgia, considering how shorthanded they've been, how guys have been banged up, how they started the season kind of slow, you know, with the COVID year and having some breaks there as well. You know, you lose your best player, he goes down with an illness. Um, there are a lot of things that Florida has had to overcome. And those wins, I don't want to take away from those wins. But to me, man, I'm just seeing that same inconsistencies, though. Yeah, I think that's going to be, you know, obviously the, the focus for Florida fans going forward. You know, uh, Mike White has had some big wins. I mean, this is not his first win over a top 10 sure. team, talking about Tennessee. It's really not even his first blowout of a top 10 team. I and mean, you just look at last year, you know, they blew out Auburn at home. And then, you know, it's just kind of still up and down. So, I did think it was good to see Florida turn around and, and kind of handle Georgia on the road. Uh, that wasn't really a game you'd have expected them to lose, but hey, crazier things have happened. It, it will be interesting to see what happens to Tennessee because Tennessee kind of seems like they've stumbled a little bit. You know, they, they came in last Tuesday night, ranked number six, and then, uh, you know, Missouri also caught them up this weekend. So 
who knows how good Tennessee is. I, you know, I think obviously for the resume, it's a great win. And Florida's resume to this point actually looks pretty solid in terms of, you know, NET rankings. They're at number 26 right now. But uh, it's going to be an interesting close to the season because, you know, looking at that schedule, I think they have six games left against Quadrant 1 teams, meaning, you know, those are the toughest games on your schedule. Five of them are on the road. You know, so Florida's really going to have a, a significant challenge there. I think, you know, the thing that's encouraging, I think, more so than anything, is, you know, talking about the team's identity, it seems like Florida's getting a lot more out of its big men this year. You know, Colin Castleton has had a really, really big impact coming over from Michigan as a transfer. You know, you look at what he's doing, 5.5 boards per game. He's been blocking some shots. He's got 24 blocks already through 12 games, so about two blocks And that's not even considering not having him for the Tennessee game where they really beat Tennessee up in the paint. Right, right. So, you know, he's been, a, I think, a really, really pleasant addition. But I think you're also starting to see more from some of those younger guys that you had hoped, you know, an Omar Payne, maybe could he make the jump? And you look at his Tennessee game, uh, he kind of stuffed the stat sheet. I mean, really, really filled it out. You know, even Osai Osifo, the, the junior college prospect, has, has really been better lately. You know, Anthony DeRuji giving you some positive contributions. I just, to me, Florida seems like they're playing a little bit better basketball right now, but I, I'm with you. I think when you, you're talking about evaluating Mike White in your six. Can't let the highs get too high because the, the lows are going to be low, man. Exactly. And the, the body of work, I think, at this point, you know, five and a half years in is I think fans are probably expecting a setback here somewhere soon. And you look at the schedule, Vanderbilt at home on Wednesday, you got to win that one, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's a must-win game. That would be an ugly loss. You take care of that, though, all of a sudden I think you do have a chance to really kind of prove that you're here for real, that Florida's a team to potentially contend in the SEC. I mean, they're only two games back – or three, sorry, three games back right now of Alabama. I'm not sure anybody's catching the Crimson Tide. Uh, but you bring number 14 West Virginia to town this weekend. That's a, or Excuse me, on the road. A game will be on the road for Florida. Uh, that's a chance to really kind of secure one of those marquee wins. You know, we talked about those six-quadrant one games – if you can secure that one and move to a four-game winning streak, all of a sudden I think the energy around the program starts to feel a little different. Maybe you get some excitement. You know, Blake, the one thing we always talk about when you're evaluating coaches and kind of where they're at with their respective team and, you know, within the arc of their tenure, you never want apathy to set in. And I think early in this year, you know, I, I know that it was a really unique circumstance for Florida given all the COVID and Keontae stuff, but it really – you know, before the last two games kind of felt like apathy was really setting in. And I think, you know, it's funny. I think one of the reasons that Tennessee win was so surprising was because nobody expected a Florida team playing without Keontae Johnson, without Scotty Lewis, and without Colin Castleton to even be competitive. But you turn around and all of a sudden Florida wins 75 to 49. And, and you're wondering, might there be a little something more? So I think this, this week I think will be really important. Uh, you want to see the team come in Wednesday night against an overmatched Vanderbilt team, a team that's not very good. You want to see them focused, and you don't want to see any setbacks in terms of energy and effort. And I think that sometimes is something you haven't always been able to count on from Mike White teams. Once you do that, hey, go on the road. You know, you're not going to be probably expected to win at West Virginia, but at least you've got an opportunity. And I think, you know, for Florida right now to be in the position they're in, they have everything in front of them. It's just going to be about, like you said, can they finally – prove that they're developing an identity or is the identity more inconsistency? You know, and I think that's just always been the big picture for them. Um, you know, like you said, Vanderbilt should be a team they win, but you don't want it to be one of those games to where you're already looking past them. You're already looking ahead to West Virginia. You come out and you stumble against a Vanderbilt team, especially at home. So I think that, um, 
you know, sure, Mike White, you know, can, can you continue riding this hot streak that the team's on? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I just um, – I, I think that, like you said, apathy is starting – I think it has set in on the season. You know, even look at just kind of following the game thread whenever Florida played the Tennessee game. It didn't really seem at the beginning that many fans were really in there being active. And as they kind of picked things up, traffic picked up in that thread. So, you know, wins can do that. But it just seems like overall just – fans just haven't really been into basketball, you know, as maybe in, and they have in a normal year. So I don't know if that's just the apathy setting in, or if that's just the COVID year, or the fact that they've had guys out and this, that, and the other, but they just have to keep winning, I guess, at this point, just to kind of keep the, just keep the mojo going, I guess. I mean, that's the ticket, man. And, you know, Alabama, obviously very good this year, but the rest of the league, Florida should be able to compete with pretty much the rest of the league. I think you saw when they beat Tennessee, this is a team that's very capable of at least, you know, pushing for second place in the SEC. I mean, I think they've got the pieces. You know, if you get Colin Castleton and Scotty Lewis back in there full health, I think you're going to have a team that, you know, has the ability to do sure. that. And it's just going to be about – Pieces will definitely help. It's going to be about making sure they're coached up well. And then, again, I think just being able to maintain a high level of energy and, and focus. That, that, to me, is the biggest challenge. But, uh, Blake, I, we had talked a little bit about before the show about maybe getting into some recruiting. We're actually running a little bit long today, so we'll go ahead and save that for the next episode of the podcast. And uh, that'll do it for us today on the Smart 24-7 Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.